1 Corinthians 16 and 9. For a great door and effectual is open unto me. And, everyone say, and. And there are many adversaries. It's like a two-for-one deal. There's a great door. It's open unto me. And there are many adversaries. So I'm going to preach today on this subject. God's going to make a way. Not very formal. But I've come to preach to somebody and tell you what the devil has meant for evil. God is turning it for your good. Listen, I don't say things just to say it. You may not, I don't don't just up here blabbing. I believe in the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Spirit are in operation in this room. And I'll just tell you, God's going to make a way. I want you to link up with someone near you, whatever is appropriate, link up with somebody and let's just pray and let's just invite God to do whatever he wants to do in this place. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word that has been declared all week long over this congregation. And we know your word will not return void. In the name of Jesus. We're trusting you today. Oh, that's all right. Go ahead and pray just a little bit longer here. Hallelujah. 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 You sense that? Hallelujah. The gift of faith is here right now. Something's starting to turn. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. In Jesus' name, you can be seated today. I've, I've got a three-hour message, and I'm going to try to do it in 30 minutes. <clears throat> As you read... Paul's writings, you understand that Paul, the apostle, the writer here, had a plan to reach the major cities of his region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He described his plan. He would head to Macedonia and Corinth and Asia Minor. He'd hit the the, uh, port cities. But as you read the scripture, you'll understand that instead of rushing to the next city, instead of rushing to Corinth, Paul as we kind of drop into this story here, Paul felt that it was right, it was important for him to stay at this place called Ephesus. It was important, he felt, for him to be there for a while. Now, Paul felt that his efforts were succeeding in his desire to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm assuming that most of us would say that the Apostle Paul was perhaps the greatest missionary of the gospel uh, uh, that we would ever know. He, he accomplished so many wonderful things, but Paul did not have it easy. It was not a walk in the park. It, it was a challenge. It was a battle. And, and when you read uh, 1 Corinthians, you understand that that he had some struggles. However, he felt that his efforts in Ephesus were succeeding. 
He felt that he was being effective, and he recognized that, that his success uh, it was an indication that he should continue his work in Ephesus. Now, I have to be honest. My definition of success apparently is a little bit different than Paul's definition of success as he looked at Ephesus and what he was facing. Now, you know, when you come to church and you see things happening and people are repenting and lives are being changed and, and the city is turning to God, I mean, you can, you can feel good about what you're doing. And when things are going your way, it's easy to say, whoo, it's revival time. <clears throat> but, but, but how you look at your situation when things are tough <clears throat> is very, very important on what God is able to do for you and what he desires to do in your life. You see, Paul did not do the work of God without resistance. Everyone say resistance. Resistance is merely evidence of motion, of forward progress. You, 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 don't, you don't catch resistance if you're standing still. If you ride motorcycles, you can get on that motorcycle and you'll, the wind will be blowing in your hair that you used to have. <laughs> the wind may be blowing in your hair and your cheeks may be rattling. And Why? The resistance is only there because there's movement. Some of you are frustrated at the resistance, but can I declare to you, it could be just evidence you're moving in the right direction. Your resistance is evidence of forward motion. Come on, sanctuary. We're not looking for perfect scenarios. God's going to make a way. And we're going to keep believing him. I'm believing God to move in your family. I'm believing God is moving in this church. I believe God is pouring out his spirit. Hallelujah. I believe some of us need to change our parameters of what we call success in the work of God. Paul saw resistance. And really it says something about how Paul viewed the kingdom of God and the will of God and the way of God. Paul did not determine God's will by how easy it was for him. <laughs> he didn't look for how he felt after it was over. He just kept pushing and he just kept believing. I, I, I just come to preach to some good people. You, this may be your first time here or you may have been here for 30 years, but I want to preach to somebody and tell you, don't be scared of the next step. It may not look how you thought it was going to look. It may not feel how you thought it was going to feel. Some of you say, I'd live for God, but I don't know. God's going to make a way. You go ahead and take a step. You go ahead and let God do his thing in your life. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So in our text, we read that the apostle Paul gives some insight to what he was facing. He said, oh, I'm at Ephesus and there's a great door that and effectual that's open unto me. And there are many adversaries. I've come to realize that doors and devils seem to come together. <laughs> you know, doors have significance um, 
in, in Scripture, both symbolically and in reality. And, and if you just do even a cursory search of, of Scripture, you'll see that doors play an important role. And I don't want to insert your intelligence here today. You all look like you're very smart and intelligent people. But, but allow me to state some obvious things regarding doors. Doors allow us to leave one area and enter another area. Doors provide safety and security from outside threats. Doors protect you from the elements of the world. Doors represent transition. Everyone say transition. Transition from one dimension to another. Now, in one hand, on one hand, doors can be exciting. On the other hand, if you were honest right now, some of you are staring at a door that's scaring you to death. And oftentimes we choose to, be, to, to, to stay put in the pain of what we know than to step through the door of opportunity that has some, some unfamiliar things for us here today. Pastor, I'd live for God, but I don't know. Pastor, I'd get involved in the ministry, but I don't know. Pastor, I'd, I'd, I'd really get all in, but, 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 but I don't know. I want to tell you, some of you today, I've come to push you through the door if I can. I've come to help you work through that transition. Some of you need to just go ahead and say, I'm all in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I've heard it said many times that the devil's in the details. How many have heard that say? The devil's in the details. You hear me today. The devil's not the only ones in the details. God is in the details. And he knows how to work it out. And he knows how to make a way. And he knows how to take his hand and put it on you. Listen, when you need it, God's going to give it to you. Step through it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesus was attractive with opportunity. It was a large population. Had a lot happening. And Paul understood that you need to go where the people are. And so that's exactly what he did. However, there was great struggle. There was great battle. However, Paul did not take the struggle as an indicator that God was absent. Can I remind you that the presence of trouble is not evidence of God's absence. He's right there. Ooh. In fact, I've come to realize, and I'll get there in a minute, but I've come to realize, listen, if the devil's not fighting me, I'm probably not making much progress. <laughs> Some of you are frustrated. If I, I'm, I'm trying to be kind and I'm trying to just come in here, but let me preach to this church a little bit from my heart. The Holy Ghost has me here for a reason. I'm going to come to preach to some people who the pain of your predicament, your situation is causing you to wonder if maybe you need to change courses, if maybe you missed it. I want to remind a good brother and sister, listen, God's not abandoned you in your struggle. He has you there for a reason. Hallelujah. He has you. You're like Paul in Ephesus. I may have to fight every devil in hell, but I'm going to plant my flag. I'm going to plant my feet, and God's going to make a way. I'm not bailing out now. I'm not quitting now. I'm not backsliding now. God's going to make a way. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Mm. It's 
So here's what Paul's facing, Acts 19. He's describing what's going on in Ephesus. Acts 19 and 23. It says, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. Everyone say, the way. The way. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for the way? And sometimes there's a little commotion when you make a commitment to the way. Not everybody's going to applaud your lifestyle changes when you get in the way. Sometimes when you commit to the way, it's going gonna, it's gonna to distance some things from you. And sometimes it'll distance some people from you. Oh, yeah. And sometimes your commitment to the way brings adversaries out of the woodwork. And, and you start getting pressed on every side. And your faith is challenged. Bible says that there was a great commotion about the way. Verse 24, for certain man, oh, now he's naming names. He didn't just say, church, uh, we got some people causing trouble. He's like, no, nah, we're going to name names today. <laughs> he said, Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana. Ephesus was, was engrossed in, in uh, pagan worship. And, and he said, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. And he called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this, <laughs> this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people. Now that doesn't sound like a fun day. It doesn't sound like you walk in and everything's just going your way and everybody's just so happy you're there. But what was Paul? What was Paul's response? Was he going to just curl up in the corner and go hide somewhere back and, and just say, well, you know, Lord, you know my heart. I tried. No. Paul said, no. There's a reason I'm here. And regardless of the outside circumstances, it will not distract me from the purpose of God in my life. <laughs> the adversaries are not in control of my opportunities. Hallelujah. They don't get to tell me what God can do and what he can't do. And when God puts his, you hear me? When God puts his hand on your life and when God puts his hand on your family and when God puts his hand on your church, there's not a devil in hell that can stop what God intends to do. What God opens, no man can shut it. Yeah, yeah. So, so we know what the adversary is doing, but he didn't stop there. <laughs> because you need, to, you need to see what was written before in Acts 19 and 11. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. That doesn't look to me like he's bailing out. Doesn't look to me like he's making excuses. Doesn't look to me like he's, you know, cowering back in weakness. Nah, he said, listen, right in the face of every obstacle, we're going to have a move of God here. Right in the middle of the circumstances, lives are going to be changed here. I don't know what you're facing, but here's what I know. God intends to change your life. 
in the middle of the chaos. See, I've had people tell me, Pastor, when, when, when I get things straightened out in my life, then I'm going I'm to make it to church. I'm going I'm to live for God. When I, when I get things worked out, Pastor, when I, when I get all the mess kind of fixed, you know, I got a mess. When I get that fixed, and then I'm going you know, I haven't seen him, and I haven't seen him yet because we we don't fix the mess; he fixes the mess. We, we, we you don't come to God when when it's calm. You come to God; it doesn't matter. It can be calm. It can be chaos. It can be a storm. Things could be going crazy in your life. Kids could be crazy. Your marriage could be falling apart. That's a perfect time to step through the door and experience the power of God in your life. Yeah. So the Bible says in verse 11, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. And verse 12, so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. In the middle of a mess, you can experience the miraculous. Mm. I believe the devil's on a deadline in your life. And he's scared to death. You're going to call his bluff today. Mm -mm -mm. But I've come to pull back the curtain today. I'm going to make myself look like a fool if I have to. If I can get somebody to understand. There is a supernatural, divine, miraculous touch of God that is available in this room for you. It's not just for those people that look like they have it all together. It's available for everybody in this room. Somebody that'll say, I'm going to seize the opportunity. Grace is making a way. Grace is making space. And I'm not going to be talked out of it. I'm not going to be manipulated out of it. Fear isn't going to stop me. I know I'll have obstacles. I know everybody's not going to understand, but I choose to believe God's going to make a way. God's going to do it for me. Turn to somebody and tell them God wants to do it for you. Now I want you to tell them God's going to do it for me. He's going to do it for me. I want to tell somebody the devil's on a deadline and that's why you're facing the obstacles you're facing. That's why hell is in an uproar in your life because hell knows its time is short and he's coming after you with everything that he has. But oh, I want to preach to somebody greater is he that's in you than he that, hey, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Come on, church. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. We have we have a way, and God has made a way. Clap your hands if you even halfway believe that today. Come on, clap your hands, lift your voice. Woo! Come on, there's breakthrough in this house. Come on, there's deliverance in this house. Strongholds are coming down. Woo! We're going through the door. I can live for God. I will live for God. I can be an overcomer. God is going to come through for my family. Come on, praise him right now like he's already done it. Come on and praise him according to his excellent greatness. (laughs) 
God's making a way. You can be seated. Oh, I got to hurry. God's making a way. <laughs> yeah, hell thought they'd pull the fast one in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and sin began to dominate man in his life. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise your head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And from that very moment, Satan began working feverishly on his plans to launch an attack against God by attempting to abort the line through which this Messiah would come. He wanted to stop the people of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God at all costs. He filled Cain with enough hatred to murder his righteous brother Abel. But God raised up Seth because God's making a way. Mm, I'm starting to feel a little bit at home here. He led mankind into enough wickedness that God destroyed the earth with a flood, but God raised up Noah because God's making a way. He deceived man with false religions that worship the gods of nature, but God raised up Abraham because God is making a way. He influenced Pharaoh to issue a death warrant for all the Hebrew baby boys. <laughs> you know what happened. God thwarted his plan through Pharaoh's own daughter. <laughs> because God's making a way. He frightened the spies with the giants of the land of Canaan. But God raised up Joshua and Caleb because God's always going to make a way. He tried to starve out the nation through the raids of the Midianites. But God raised up Gideon. Why? Because God's making a way. He snared King Saul with the sin of pride. And God raised up a man after his own heart named David. Why? Because God is making a way. And I believe it was David that would write, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. My brother, I don't know what hell is trying to do in your life, but I know what heaven's going to do. God's going to make a way. I don't know the heartache in your life, but I know there's a God that's going to come through. Woo! Ah, oh, yes. Hallelujah. He was there in the valley of Elah for David. Ah, he was there in Joseph's pit and prison. He was there in Paul's shipwreck. He was there in Simon Peter's prison. And he's going to be there for you. He's going to be there in the midnight hour when you're pacing the floors. And you don't know what to do. <laughs> and you feel down deep in your heart. God's got a place. He's got an opportunity. God, that's the reason some of you are here right now. The Spirit's drawn you here. 
You're sitting here looking, what in the world is wrong with that little madman up there? What in the world is he screaming about? Will somebody settle him down? No, no, no. I've come to drown out every voice of hell that's trying to talk you out of what heaven's been trying to call you into all week long. Heaven's been drawing you, and I've come to tell you, not a devil in hell can stop you. If you want something from God, the door has swung open. Woo! And what God opens, no man can shut. It's here now. There's healing here. There's deliverance here. There's breakthrough here. There's salvation here. (laughs) Hell thought they had it. Thought they finally had their man where they needed him helped Haman hatch a plot of genocide against the Jews. But before Haman, before Haman ever had a concept of genocide, God had already, listen, hell's playing checkers and heaven's playing chess. Always a step ahead. Listen, listen, your salvation is not some afterthought of heaven saying, oh no, what am I going to do now? No, there hasn't. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world before the devil ever thought he could destroy you. Heaven had already made a way for your salvation. Haman said, I'll kill them all. But before he could ever get his plan to materialize, God had already had his hand on a young lady by the name of Esther. And he had positioned her and put her right where he needed her. Listen to me now. It was uncomfortable for her. It was probably a little, few awkward moments for her. She probably didn't understand everything. The process felt long for her. But God said, listen, if you be patient with me in the process, my purpose works through process. Hallelujah. Mm. Don't get frustrated now, my brother. Come on, friends. Don't, don't bail out now. The miracle's in the making. It doesn't look like a miracle right now. It doesn't feel like a miracle. Some of you are there. If you'll take that mask down today, the Holy Ghost is going to deliver you. Oh, yeah. It's going to help the way you think because you're assuming that it's supposed to, it's not supposed to be easy. It's a part of the process and it takes time. And God, all the while, he's getting me here and he's putting her there and he gets, he gets Esther right where he needs her. And at the very critical moment, he places her right where she was supposed to be all along. But it wasn't time yet. Hear me. I've learned, I've learned that God knows what I need and when I need it. Now, I'm not going to ask you to incriminate yourself and raise your hand, but how many have ever been, I'll just say, there have been times in my life I've been impatient with the timing of God. I'm not trying to, you know, destroy any perception that you may have of the preacher. But the reality is there have been times in my life I've become frustrated with God's timing. 
And I've been tempted to be like Father Abraham and try to do things my way. And, and listen, when we do that, we, we abort some things, the process. We, we, we make things more complicated than they need to be. Right? Every time I put my hands on God's purpose, I make a mess of it. So the process is something you live through and something that you're faithful in. And that process, listen, he, he gets you ready on the way and then he puts you where he needs you. And then he says, now just be faithful. There's a reason you're here. Listen, Paul prayed for God to deliver him from the thorn three times. And every time God said, my grace is sufficient. That's not what I want, God. I want you to say, oh, oh, you're having pain? Here, let's get you out of this. That's not what God said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. So here's what I've learned. When I pray for deliverance and it doesn't come, that means God trusted me to stay right here for a reason that's bigger than I can see. So I'm not bailing out. I'm going to make the devil have his worst day while I'm here. Somebody just shouted out, I'm still here. That was good for practice. But hell has been pushing some of you around, your families. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Can I come down here? Hell's been messing with your mind. Hell's been messing with your emotions. Hell's been tinkering with your family. Hell's got your kids going crazy. And the reality is some of you are starting to doubt whether or not God ever meant it in the first place. But I've come all the way here to tell you, God did not make a mistake when he saved you, when he called you, when he put you in his purpose. You hang in there. Don't give up now. God's going to make a way. Shout to the Lord and give it praise. I may have to endure a little bit of hardship, but his purpose matters more. Mm. Uh, Listen to you. Listen to me. The resistance you're feeling. Well, this is turning here, and I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost. The resistance you're feeling is not God punishing you. It's God positioning you. I need to say that to you again because, listen, I've, I've learned that in the middle of a miracle, it doesn't feel very good. It just doesn't feel very pleasant when you're in the middle of a miracle. Miracles don't come sometimes with, with, with forewarning. You're, you're just in the middle of the mess, and you're just, all you feel is the pain of the mess. Yeah. I'm just telling you that God's called you for something and don't, don't bail out now and don't quit now. And, and, and the timing of God is perfect even though you don't understand it. And some of you are here right now and you're wondering how do I even show up in this church? I'll tell you how. God's like, watch this. <laughs> I'm going to take you where you are and you think it's impossible, but I can make a way. Come on, come on. I'm going to put you, I got, a, I got a place I want to take you. And he's been working with your life all this time to get you to a place where he can 
work the miraculous in your life. And you're looking at a whole new life today. You're looking at a whole new scenario. And you're a little bit fearful and you're unsure because I've never done this before. I've never lived like this before. I'm going to tell you, you're in the right place at the right time. And God's hand has been on you this whole time. And every time hell tries to respond to what heaven's doing, heaven says, oh, I already thought about it. I already knew you were doing that before you did. Watch this. <laughs> and, 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 and pain and hardship comes to your life. And, and God's like, okay, oh, yeah, I, I know I got you. I'm going to put you in my presence. I'm going to take you to this church over here. What is it, John Deere? What is it, John Deere Parkway? Uh if you can't feel God on John Deere Parkway Huh? And, and, and he says, watch this. In fact, I'm going to bring this little crazy preacher. And he's going to sweat and scream and spit and holler. And he's going to get all crazy. And he's going to say stuff that don't even make sense half the time. But something is going to stir in your heart. Why? Because God is making a way. <laughs> and he's getting you to a place where he says, I've got you. And I had you all along. You thought I was missing. You thought I was MIA. You thought I'd forgotten you. But the door has and close, it's still open. God's gonna make a way. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord. I'm almost done. Can I preach to this church body just one moment? God's gonna make a way. I'll get back to preaching, but let me preach to this church body just one moment. God's going to make a way. And I don't know all the dream and all the vision, and I don't know all that God has placed in the heart of your pastor. And I intentionally, I, I didn't ask him anything about this church because I wanted free liberty to just come in here and just preach what I feel in my heart. He's not told me anything. He's not telling me how bad people are. In fact, he's told me how good you are. He's not said one negative thing about anybody, talked about any trouble. Here's what I know. Wherever there's people, there's trouble. I know that. Listen, wherever I show up, there's trouble because I'm there now. Right? It's just, that's just how it is. But you let me preach to you from the word of the Lord. And, and if my personality, my delivery is offensive to you, I beg you to look past me today and hear the word of the Lord. Because I want to tell this church that God's going to make a way. And the door is wide. And the door is open. And God's purpose is greater than your pain. Hallelujah. And it's time for this church like never before to say we are not going to focus on the adversary. We are focusing on the door that is before us. I'm reminded. I, I am going to try. I'm trying to hurry now. I'm going to remind you of this and then I'm going to close. Remind of a story in the Old Testament. Jonathan and his armor bearer. They were there, and, and uh, there was a, a garrison of Philistines. They, they, were, they were meeting the enemy. And they, the, the Philistines were up on a cliff, and they were high up on the cliff. In fact, they were, Jonathan and his servant, armor bearer, were, were placed between two cliffs. And they're standing there, and the enemy is there, and 
It looked like they were outnumbered and there's no way that they could overcome. There's no way that they could make it. Seemed like the smart thing, the logical thing to do is to bail out, head back, hear me, head back to a safer place. Head back to where you're surrounded by the people that are familiar and the situation that's familiar. Here's what happens. First Samuel chapter 14. First Samuel 14 and verse number 7. The Bible says, so his armor bearer said to him, to Jonathan, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with, everyone say with, here I am with you, according to your heart. Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. Stand with me here. So here's what happens. They look around, they see an enemy. Armor bear looks over at Jonathan, says, um, do all that's in your heart. Pastor, will you just come up here for me? Just come up here. I was preaching somewhere one time, and he was there, and, and uh, he was helping me with the illustration. He, I made him the devil, so I was telling him I wouldn't make him the devil this time. It's a good man. So here's the deal. Armor bearer looks at Jonathan and says, I see them, all of them. And I see you. Do all that's in your heart. Whatever's in your heart, I'm with you. You say there's a door? Bless God, there's a door. You say we can do this? I trust your heart. When I don't understand your words, I trust your heart. Said, Jonathan, do what's in your heart. So here's what Jonathan says. Very well. Let's cross over. They cross over. And here's what Jonathan said. Verse number 10. He said, if they say to us, come up to us. Now notice, they have more men. They have more uh, weapons. They have more power. And they're at an elevated position. They're looking down at those two men and say, come up to us. Jonathan said, listen, if they invite us, (laughs) if all of them... Invite the two of us to come up there. Then we're going to go up there. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand. And then he said, this will be a sign to us. What's your sign? If they invite just us. 
to where all of them are. Their invitation is our confirmation. We winning. Their invitation to a confrontation is our confirmation. God's going to make a way. I don't need any, hear me, I don't need any other sign. I don't need a voice from heaven. I don't need lightning flashing. I don't need goosebumps from the top of my head. One word from God is enough. And Jonathan, I'm going to trust your heart because here's what Jonathan said. He said, it may be that God will work for us. Hear me. I know this is maybe a little odd, but I felt so strong. I need to say these things. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Sometimes all you have is a maybe. Wow. Hear me. But a maybe with God is more than enough. Listen, can I just tell you, after, after leading and pastoring, trying to pastor, trying to help people, listen, there's sometimes, I wish I always had the blueprint. I wish I could always tell people, this is exactly how it's going to be in every minute detail and tell you exactly, listen, I'm just telling you, when you're following the Spirit, when you're walking in the Spirit, God doesn't always give you all the details. He doesn't give you a five-year plan. He gives you a today plan. Some of you need to get off this high horse of, I want all, I want to know the next 10 steps. No, what you need is to trust the heart of a man of God and say, a maybe with God is all I need. All right, one more thing, and I'm quitting. I know it's late. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what happens. Jonathan's armor bearer did not say to him, I tell you what, if you say we can do it, I'm behind you. I'm behind you, Jonathan. Go get him. Good job. I believe in you. Praying for you. We, we put you on the prayer page on Facebook. Go get him. Man, you're a man of God. You, you, we're behind you. Far behind you. That, that's not what the armor bearer said. The armor bearer said, if you believe in your heart, the door is open. If you believe in your heart, the opportunity is here. If you believe in your heart that God has this for us, I'm not just behind you. He said, I'm with you. I'm not behind your back. I'm shoulder to shoulder. And every resistance you face, we face it together. And every battle we fight, we fight it together. And every devil we face, we're in this together. The door is open. The opportunity is there. God is going to make. Somebody clap your hands and rejoice. So here's what we're going to do today. I know I preached a long time and I apologize and I'm just going to quit. Somebody here today, you're intimidated, but why lies ahead? It's a little unsure and you're scared and you're thinking, man, I feel God here, but man, I don't know. Gotta, gotta help you in this church. I love you. 
they'll show you and they'll walk with you they'll help you and they'll encourage you go through the door go through the door <laughs> make this the year that you say God you can count on me I'm going to walk with you through every opportunity through everything it may change my life but my life could use a good change let's go Lord <sighs> let's do this talking to some young families here today. You're feeling the pressure of a pagan culture to be content with making church a pastime. Something that's in your calendar but not in your heart. And I'm telling you, if you want the power of God to rule and reign in your home, your children, your family, you need to get all in and say, God, you're going to make a way. I'm like, listen, hear me, hear me. I know it seems like maybe I'm rambling, but I'm, I'm just trying to get it out in a short amount of time here. But listen to me. If you can trust God with your eternity, you can trust him with your kids. If you can trust God with your soul. You can trust him with your income. So what I'm begging you and I'm pleading you is come through the door. Come on, walk through this. Come on, grace has made a way. Grace has paved the way for you. And you don't have to try to make it happen. He's already done it. He's making a way for you. All you need to do is walk through it. I wonder if there's somebody that would say, all right, count me in, I'm walking through. And symbolically, by coming to this altar right now, you're saying, God, I'm coming to you. I'm walking through the door. If you've never repented of your sins, I want you to come. Step through the door of salvation. Repent of your sins. He is faithful to forgive you. If you need healing in your body, there are miracles in this house. We'll pray for you and healing will come in the name of Jesus. Come on church. Let's call out to the Lord now. Let's call out to the Lord. There is a door of opportunity. God is going to do it for you today. He's going to make a way. Reach out to heaven all across this room. Lift your hands. Lift your voices. Maybe you need to close your eyes to, to remove the distractions. Focus on what God is doing here right now.